You've heard of BetaShares. You've probably seen the logo on our podcast. You might even be among their 1 million investors. So you can imagine that I'm delighted to say BetaShares is the official ETF partner of the Australian Finance Podcast. With nearly 100 exchange-traded funds, you can go to betashares.com.au and immerse yourself in ETFs and unique insights covering all of the sectors, themes, core and satellite positions you could want. Think cybersecurity through the Hack ETF, robotics and AI with the RBTZ ETF, and uranium with the URNM ETF. The list goes on. To explore the BetaShares ETF range, visit betashares.com.au, read the relevant PDS and TMD on the website, and consider if the fund is right for you. BetaShares Capital Limited is the issuer. Is there a Spotify wrapped for investing? If you want to invest in shares or ETFs, our friends at Perla are more than one step ahead of the curve. On average, people who use Perla invest $1,750 every month. That's what we want to see, proper dollar cost averaging. With automated investing tools making your life simple, Perla investors have well and truly mastered the art of investing small bits lots of times. So if you're ready to start growing your net worth in 2024, follow the link in your Spotify or Apple podcast player right now to discover how you can get started today. Welcome to the Australian Finance Podcast. I'm Kate Campbell. And I'm Owen Rusk. And we're here to give you the tools and knowledge to invest both your time and money better. If you're new, feel free to jump in with our Starter Pack series that aired in early 2022 or our Shares or ETF mini series. We've got plenty to share with you in today's episode, but if you want to catch us on socials, head to Rusk Australia on Insta and Twitter. I'm also found at Kate Campbell AUS on Insta. And I'm Owen Rusk AU on Insta. Just beware of the fake accounts. We'll never DM you about trading strategies or crypto. And if it sounds a bit weird, it's probably not us. And just one final heads up before we get into the show. This podcast contains general financial information only. Welcome back to our second episode of Hack Your Brain, our behavioral finance sound bites. Sound bites that we are trying to make sure that is a longer period of time. So yes, welcome back. And unlike last episode where we were talking about indecision and loss aversion, this one is the complete opposite. We We're want to talk talking about, about uh, the fear of missing out, overconfidence, greed, and where we go wrong as investors when we think we know it all. Mm-hmm. On that. So let's start with a little bit of philosophy for those out there. One of my favorite quotes is from a Greek philosopher. His name Epitius. If you don't know who he is, Google him. He's on Wikipedia. You can find out. There's a great statue of him. Yep. Very stoic person, mm-hmm. um, basically was born into poverty and slavery and just accepted that was life. Not really a great lead-in, but what is a lead-in to this episode and why I wanted his, his thing? It's called the Epitius Complex, which is, it is impossible for a person to learn that which they think they already know. If you want to, basically, we can stop now. That's the summary. Done. Finish. Over. <laughs> Mic drop. Thanks, Evan. <laughs> I'm done. Okay. Because that's what we are, right? So- we somewhat talked about this a bit in the last episode because you and I sort of said that we do this, right? Mm. That we basically make decisions on overconfidence, on the idea that we know enough and we therefore go, well, I don't need to learn anymore, so I'm going to do it. And that's that's exactly what he talks about here. That's exactly what that line's designed to say is that overconfidence, shortcutting, because that's another thing what overconfidence is. You would literally go, I know that because of X experience. Don't have to do any more research. I'm just going to do it. So it's a shortcut. That's another way to look at it. And when we talk about shortcuts, and we spoke about this also in the last episode, mistakes. Yeah. 
And that's where we're talking about now. And it's a very fine balance between the the loss aversion, the fear of not knowing enough that stops you getting started, but then you don't want to go the complete opposite and think you know everything and you just jump into everything without doing any research. Whenever someone mentions a company at your uh, family barbecue, whenever something's mentioned on Reddit, you're just like, mm, sounds good, jump in. Yeah, mania. Let's, let's you know, share mania is a, a phenomenon that's been going on for not just this century, it's been going on for millennia. I mean, let's go back. The Dutch did it with tulips, right? Yeah. Tulip mania was there for a reason. Again, if if my neighbour was buying up tulips because they're going X, Y, Z, then I need to do it too. And if you get a group of people that continue to think in the same way and continue to buy into the mania, off you go. And then you get tulip mania. Yeah, and if GameStop and AMC during COVID, there were some companies that Everyone was jumping into every your hairdresser, your Uber driver was asking it. Similar, similar of cryptocurrencies. Yeah. Everyone was talking about these things. GameStop's really interesting too because what starts a mania is not normally the original thought process. So, if those of you that don't know what happened with GameStop, GameStop and Kate's already perfectly highlighted. A bunch of Reddit users were pretty annoyed that a hedge fund, in fact, several hedge funds, were shorting. GameStop, and if you don't know what shorting is, go and have a look on Rask. They've got some really good explanations of it because I won't go into that now. But what they were doing is that they were actually upset that this run-of-the-mill, am I, am I being a bit harsh there, Kate? Is that about true? GameStop, run-of-the-mill company? It's not. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think it was anything uh, it's not particularly special. special before. Yeah, before this happened. <laughs> now it's but, famous. Yeah, but <clears throat> the hedge funds were thinking that their revenue of this company was not going to be great, and away it went. This Reddit group, Wall Street Bets, took it over. And actually, because it's such a small company with not a huge amount of liquidity, they could overwhelm a hedge fund. And off it went. And then you know the hedge fund had to cover themselves. So all of a sudden, you had two things happening from a very technical market perspective. You had this group of people using leverage on things like you know Robin Hood, and away it went. It then caught the media's attention. And this is where the mist happened between the mania buying and the original idea. The Wall Street Bets guys, they just wanted to basically beat the hedge fund, and they did. Well done to them. But the media was picking up on the fact that not only were they beating them, these people were making a lot of money, like user me sort yeah. of stuff. And it was at this point when it was in the media that regular people like you and me were yep. hearing about it, and then like people I know were actually just going oh, I've never invested before, but I'm going to figure out how to make a That must be a good account. idea. must I'm, be a great idea because everyone's I'll doing make it. money. Yeah. And this is, this is what we're going to do a lot in this episode. We talked about some biases last episode, particularly the ones like loss aversion, which is quite strong in, in finance and in money. This one we're going to talk about, this is a lot of things around common biases that everyone does. Yeah. You know, confirmation bias, attention bias, availability bias, self-attribution bias. Let me go through to the, the two A's because that's what happened in GameStop. So attention bias and availability bias. Availability bias is an interesting one because in economics and in market theory, the idea is that you have, and this is never true, it never has been true, perfect information. There's that bloody perfect word again, mm. right? Perfect information. You've got full information to make a full informed decision. Well, that doesn't exist because you can never have every infinitesimal piece of information at one point in time or not. Just like someone's always going to have more money and stuff than you, someone's always going to have more information than you. Perfect response, mm. using the perfect word. <laughs> and why that's so interesting is that particularly on the 
buy side, making a decision to buy something, whereas on the sell side, you've got it and you're going to go, okay, I've got my CBA shares, I'm going to sell them. It's not as much information buying. You've got you know, how many million listed companies across the world? So it becomes difficult to find the right thing. So your availability bias goes, hang on a minute, the information I've got coming at me at the moment is that this company, GameStop, is clearly getting attention. Somebody's done all the research, clearly. They're all investing in it. So the available information tells you that this is the thing, right? And then the other part of it, the other eight, attention. We've sort of discussed that with the media, right? So it catches your attention. What's so fascinating by attention bias is that it's not just what it catches. Human beings love round things. And what I mean by round things, round numbers, round areas. You know, why does the media love to go, the ASX hit 7,000 points today? Lovely round number. Realistically, it means nothing. Like, let's be honest, the ASX hitting 7,000, 8,000, 6,000, 5,000 points doesn't mean squat. Yeah. But the human mind loves that round scenario. Yeah. And once that word catches in your head, it's like when you're thinking about something and you want to buy it and you're thinking about it a lot and you start to see that item everywhere and you hear people talking about it and your brain just hones in, in on, on that it. thing. Yeah. You've probably noticed it at other times in yeah. your life. And so that's what happened, right? So people were going, my availability bias shows that everybody's doing this. They've done the research and therefore I need to do it. My attention bias is caught to it because it's clearly making a lot of people money. It's doing the right thing. So I can't be wrong. I can't. I've got to do this. I've got. I've got to get involved. Mania, bang. Yeah. And look, GameStop's a great example because it happened so fast. You've already highlighted crypto. I don't want to go there. Let's stay away from crypto. But it's not just that. I mean, I'll bring it back to an Australian scenario. A couple of years back, you look at something like Blackmores, right? Mm-hmm. Which is a company everybody knows and hears about. But I remember when it got to two hundred dollars a share because there was rumors that the Chinese were going to buy it, um, and it went from being a good decision because it is a it was at that time generating good cash flow and a good to being optimistic to being euphorically bought and and therefore I remember sitting there going yeah it's a company that you probably want but not at two hundred dollars a share because it's not worth that and, and lo and behold boom back it came yeah um, and it's all fun and games until the music stops. Yes. Like people will make money. Look but at you with puns. <laughs> not everyone will make money. Yeah, and it's not not just that. So this is the next thing. So when that scenario happens, not everyone's going to make money. This is the other bias that kicks in to protect your own personal, and let's call it what it is, ego. Because it's ego. Yeah. Right? We've all got one. And if you if you deny that you've got one, you've got a massive one, right? Ego is part and parcel of who we are, right? Because ego helps you get through the day. It genuinely does. You've got to believe that you can do the job you do. Yeah. Right? I mean, you couldn't function if you second-guessed every single thing. Correct. You have to have the confidence that I've done it before, therefore I can do it again. Yeah. So I know that if investing in that ETF over time helps me, I can keep doing it. That's ego. There's nothing wrong with that. Ego is a thing. But you've also got to understand that it needs to have checks and balances. And what I mean by that, so this is self-attribution bias. Again, psychologists love really technical terming things. It is basically the term of overconfidence. So self-attribution is that you attribute correct decisions to yourself and you attribute wrong decisions to the environment. That's the simplest- Or someone else. Or something. So the environment is, is what I mean by that. It's exactly someone else, something else, an event, Whatever happens Something to Something you read, yeah. yeah. So property right now is a great example because those that bought property in the last 18 months are now attributing their decision-making to the RBA raising rates. Now, the argument would be is this. You haven't actually made a wrong decision. 
right? You haven't made a wrong decision because a property investment, and I know your property portfolio your, um, podcast will tell you this over and over again. Property is not something you buy for a year. It's not something you buy for three years. I'd even argue it's not something you buy for five. It's a minimum seven-year investment. So if you've bought in the last 18 months, you're not wrong, but your, your, your self-attribution bias, I bet you is peaking, going, I, at the time, made the right decision. The RBA, the environment, is now making it look wrong because I now have to pay this incredible huge amount of interest to rein in inflation. That's the real-world idea. Mm. Um, and that's where this is quite fascinating. So the question comes from that. Again, we've promised that we'll make fools of ourselves. When has your self-attribution bias kicked in, my friend? And why did it happen? I didn't think of this particular question before the episode. (laughs) (laughs) You sort of said it last episode. Like you sort of said that basically you will make decisions quickly based on the confidence you have around knowing what something does. So Mm. you did say you buy firms with minimal research. Now, yes, that could also be considered something like attention or attribution bias, but clearly you do it because you have a confidence that your decision is right and away you go. Yeah, I mean, often it's not. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But again, I'm playing with $50 at a time uh, for these sort of decisions. So yeah, I'm probably someone that if the decision is low impact, if I can come back from that decision really quickly, if it's not going to hurt anyone else, if it's not going to have a big impact on my financial future or my own life, I'll make the decision really quickly. Yeah. So I'm going to put my hand up here and say that there has a gender, well, a sex scenario to this. Men are almost two times more likely to be affected by self-attribution bias than women. And men's overconfidence is well known for good reason because they are egotistical and, and, and tend to move down that space. So for me, answering my own question that I gave you, yeah. I actually have a manual check, as I call it. And what I mean by that is that I know I have a level of confidence that some is perceived as overconfidence and I am very strong on saying, I know that happens. I'm open about it. I know Mm -hmm. that makes me sound like a fool, but I know I have it. So my manual check is to play what I call mental chess with myself, which is that I go to the opposite side and I deliberately argue against myself. Now, it doesn't work for everybody, but there's a technique that I've developed just to try and put my ego back in place, going, okay, why are you so excited by this idea? Is it because somebody you respect says it's a really good idea, they've done all the research and you just want to be part of them? Is it because you believe that it's the right thing to do because everything gives you that idea? Or is it because you're taking a punt? Let's let's call it what it is. I mean, that's that's and, and so that's just an example of how I play mental chess with myself Mm. because I know that I have a bias that can lead me to make that ego decision. I've worked in this industry at a high pace too, you know, working in places like trading floors. Ego is front and center and and therefore I've had to develop an ability to manually check myself. Mm. And that's something that, you know, if you can hear what I'm saying right now and you think you do that, my way is not necessarily the right way, but it gives you a start because not only will it check you from making a mistake, it'll check you from probably you know, blinding yourself to what is probably more likely the right answer than the one you've come to. Yeah. 
And that's something something I do with my portfolio because I know some of my decisions that I make for my investments are a little bit quicker, I would say. And I'm playing with smaller amounts of money. It's only a, one part of my satellite Do you portfolio. think that could be part of the problem, right? The fact that you know it's yeah, a maybe. small portion that the risk isn't high enough to affect you. Yeah, that's probably it. Yeah. So that's, yeah. The, other, that's the other side to this. I mean- that horrible thing is that if you can sleep at night, you haven't got enough on the table. I hate that line, yeah. but this is the next thing. As you go down your path, as you go down your experience, your journey, your habits of forming your investing thesis, and then therefore on the other side, the mental side, the confidence it gives you, the better educational understanding it gives you, it hits your, your ego, right? And so, yeah, if you're happy that you know risking $1,000 or $2,000 is fine, it may actually therefore mean that you're not affected to have loss aversion kick in to actually stop you going, hang on, is that the right decision? Yeah. Because you're like, whatever. Maybe I need a bit more so loss So maybe aversion. you need to put a bit, of, a little bit of loss aversion into your thinking yeah. and actually go, okay, I've been really comfortable doing the thousand. Maybe I need to jump to five. And I ask <laughs> Put the same some th- more cards on the table. Yeah. So, so if it forces me to... To actually make a better decision. Mm. Because this is what we're also talking about with this whole scenario is that as you get more confident, your incremental portion steps is what we talked about in the first episode. Your portion needs to grow because it needs to grow with what you're thinking. And therefore, it will make you make better informed decisions. Because if you're investing five grand over $1,000, that's a significant difference. And therefore, you're going to go, actually, five grand loss would be quite a hit. It's interesting because I would definitely, I would spend more time on the decisions as the amount increases. Correct. And that amount's different because when I was starting, I only had maybe $1,000 to start with. And so, I mean, I wasn't making great decisions at the very beginning, but once I figured it out, I was making very intentional decisions. Yeah. And then as I've invested over time, maybe $100 is something I don't think about as much. And so maybe I don't, it's probably even pointless to make those $100 investments, but uh, it's just a bit of fun. And I want to also point out, the reason I gave you that example, that's not something I've just thought about. That's actually research backed. So that is the understanding that also your experience, your life cycle, as it changes over time, your perception of size, which is what it is, changes. So money will change you. Clearly, if you're in your teens and in your early 20s, when you've got student loans, you're going through university or you're at school where you can't work full-time, money is going to be more scarce than it is when you get to your mid-20s or someone like yourself or actually just in the mid-20s, sorry, or someone like me who are in their mid to late 30s. Your perception of money size changes. And that also is part of your investment psychology. And the reason it comes into this side, the overconfidence, is again, that checks and balance. You've got a confidence. That's not a bad thing. You're happy and have an educational understanding about how to invest. You know that you know if I have a core satellite scenario, core ETFs or market scenario that is really strong, that is brilliant because it gives you that confidence to keep going. But you then need to also mm-hmm. have that check, have that check. So as I said, mine's mental chess. Yeah. The other one are things like that. Yeah, and it's, and it's also interesting who you... Sp- spend time around because if you spend time around people that have only invested in property or only talk about ETFs, you get very used to, oh, what I'm doing is the right decision. And it could well be, but it's you need to be able to challenge yourself. And that's why I think talking to other people, exposing yourselves to other communities and things like if if you've never invested in property, well, maybe listening to a property podcast or chatting to people about property to see 
what that world is. Yeah, it also gets back to that attention attribution scenario of yeah. maybe property's not right. Now, I'm not saying those listening, that's not what yeah. I'm saying, but it also therefore makes you make that more informed decision going, actually, property's too slow for me or isn't what I want to do. I don't want to use leverage. I do want to use leverage. I want to do things slightly different. I've got a bigger risk tolerance and therefore I can move slightly up. And, and that is where more inf informed information, getting away from just that small amount of availability information to a bigger availability makes better informed decisions. I know we need to move on. The one thing I think this episode needs to talk about clearly is greed. Yeah. Because this is the other thing that comes with overconfidence is, is greed. Mm. I want to ask the question first and foremost, what's the most interesting greed scenario you've seen? And the reason I say that is greed is such an attention thing. And in this country particularly, it's quite an interesting thing because there's a thing that's a real big catch in this country, which is tall poppy syndrome. And the reason I say that, it actually keeps us probably slightly less greedy than, than some other nations. But it's quite interesting. Talk to me about your experiences around greed. Yeah, I feel like we almost don't like using the word greed. Mm -hmm. It does sound a bit ugly. Greasy, almost. slippery. Yes. <laughs> and so people don't want to say they made that decision because of greed mm. or they jumped in because of greed. But I think a lot of the um, recent hyped up companies, even some of those thematics, like the companies that were even blockchain, people were just jumping onto that idea without doing any research. And I remember there was a an iced tea company. This is maybe four years ago, Long Island Iced Tea, and they just mm. added blockchain to the title and suddenly the share price spiked overnight. No reason except they just changed the name of the company. Yeah, They weren't really doing much with it. And I think greed brings out the worst in us when it comes to our financial decisions. And it also ties in a bit with that comparison piece because we're looking at everyone around us and go, I want that too, without thinking what we really want. And then we start making financial decisions that we're hoping are going to make us uh, millionaires overnight. And I think greed also makes us think quite short term. Yeah. So we're going to think, I want to make money ASAP. I want to do it in the easiest way, the least effort, the least research. And I'll put every, and it forces, like, not, it doesn't force us, but it, I think it encourages us that idea of greed to put more on the table than potentially we're prepared to lose. Yeah. And what I think we want to point out too on that exact point is that this is a very common phenomenon in institutions. Yeah. So there are a plethora of examples of where greed, which is what it is, gets wrapped up in corporate speak of, you know, improving the planet or improving something. Yeah. Innovation. Innovation. When We've really found simple. the next big thing. Correct. So, you know, at the moment, the States is always a great way to look at where institutional greed happens. The one at the moment is going along with JP Morgan that hasn't, if you haven't seen that around, the Frank Investment, which was a US student loan program that could basically do it for them. They, they didn't do their due diligence. They got greedy by the idea that this, this program could do something so quickly and get a huge amount of clients in. Um, I know your example is something like Theranos and, and what happened there. But I think, you know, you can even look at something like FTX um, and see what, you know, Sam Brankman fried did. He was wrapping up altruism and global change and all this kind of stuff where underneath, if you strip it all out, it's greed. Yeah. That's what it is. And greed encourages us to skip steps. Bingo. And not do our research because, well, someone else is investing, someone else is doing this, we've got to do it too. And I think that's a really important one because people aren't going to tell you the mistake was caused by greed. It's very hard to attribute 
your the reason your mistake yeah. happened back to greed because yep. no one else no one wants to say they're greedy. Correct. And as I said, it's that slimy, slippery, really quite dirty word. Mm. Um, but again, this is what this whole idea of these sound bites are for. What these episodes are for is to actually say it's okay. Like it's okay if you can start to realize that that actually that was what made you made that decision. That's fine. Ego. It's okay to have it. So, what we're trying to identify for you is to go, it's there. It's part and parcel of you being human. It's part and parcel of you being involved with what is a very emotional thing, money, right? Yeah. And it will be there. How do you check those those problems? How do you, It's not a problem. Those check those natural environmental behavioral things that you have to make you a better investor, a better long-term thinker with how you work your money. Yeah, and if we just quickly run through a couple of ways to to deal with things like this, it's just being careful of what you're reading on social media. People telling you this is the next big thing, they are playing directly to that emotion of greed. Marketing companies of financial firms and financial scams know how to play into that emotion, so you need to beware of that. If they're promising you 50% in a year, Ask yourself why. Ask yourself How? why. If they could make that much money themselves, why wouldn't they just keep the secrets to themselves? Exactly. Coming back to that investment plan, thinking long-term stops you falling into a lot of that um, greed cycle, the yep. fear of missing out and things like that. Try and break the keeping up with the Joneses thing. Yeah. Right. So that's the other thing is what you are doing is for you. What your friends, family, peers, colleagues are doing, that's for them. And be happy with that. Try and disassociate your scenario from theirs because that, again, greed, self-attribution, attention, availability bias is a key, is basically just the keeping up with Jones' effect mm. and, and that whole scenario. Um, and as we said, the other thing that we've talked about through this entire thing and getting back to what I said about the Epitius complex at the start, teaching something people, what they already know is the other part of this. If you think you already know, then your ability to actually fix your, you know, your isms, let's call them what they are, is going to be that much harder. So it's about starting to put practices in place. As I said, mine's mental chess. Kate's pointed out as well, long-term investment horizon, investment planning. They will keep the checks and balances you need to get ahead of your overconfidence, your ego, and your greed. Yeah. Um, and even can you simply explain what something does to a friend before you jump in? Mm -hmm. Do you know what the company does? Do you know what this investment product does? Have you done your research? You need to be able to at least explain it in a line or two to somebody else. Yeah. Um, and even just the fact that just because it's more complex doesn't mean it's better. So I think we've covered a bit in today's episode. Yeah, we've covered a lot. We've talked about the opposite of loss aversion. Yeah, loss, you know, confirmation bias, self-attribution bias, understanding ego, understanding greed, identifying that that is part and parcel of just being a person who you are. Um, for those of you that have listened in, hope you do like what we're doing. As we said, every Wednesday we are going to drop one of these sound bites. If you need any more episodes, please tune into Rust Media as well, and please send your questions in again. Again, Kate will choose who she thinks had the best question for this week. And those that do will get a copy of my book, Mind Over Money. I will definitely sign it and personalize it for you. But again, Kate, thank you so much for, for getting me on to these, these beautiful soundbite questions and looking forward to them to the next one yeah looking forward to your next philosopher to drop next week Evan. <laughs> i've got a few of them yes mm, got yes. a few got you're a gonna few. have to go back to the stoic drawing board well thank you for listening everyone thanks guys 
Thanks for listening to this episode of the Australian Finance Podcast. We hope you learned something new and were able to take one thing away from this episode. If you're keen to learn more, head on over to Rask Education and take one of our free money and investing courses. You could even become a Rask Core member for less than your Netflix subscription each month. And don't forget to subscribe for new episodes in your inbox every week. Plus, if you enjoyed the show, we'd love you to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and send any questions our way via the link in the description. And before we go on, did this podcast contain personal financial advice just for me? Absolutely not, Kate. Our podcast actually contains general financial information only. What that means is the information does not take into account your financial needs, goals, objectives, or even your situation. So because of that, it's important that you consider if the information is appropriate to you and your needs before acting on it. If that all sounds a bit confusing or you're still working out what your needs are, it's a great idea to consult a licensed and trusted financial planner. And don't forget to do your own research. Are you thinking about starting your wealth creating journey, but not sure where to put your hard earned dollars? InvestSmart can help. InvestSmart offers a free quiz that makes it easy to find the right InvestSmart ETF portfolio to help you reach your goals. Just visit investsmart.com.au and hit get started. Answer a few simple questions about your goals and how much you want to invest and you'll get a tailored statement of advice with a portfolio recommendation. You can visit investsmart.com.au for a no-obligations free statement of advice. This ad is brought to you by InvestSmart Advice, AFSL 334107. For more than a decade, I've been hunting for the best investors and their methods, strategies, and tools for investing. After years in the industry, countless books, a few degrees, and 1,000 podcasts and live shows, I've rolled this accumulated knowledge into something called Rask Invest. If you've ever heard me talk about a core and a satellite, active and passive, true long-term compounding, or you simply want to know exactly how I would invest, now is your chance. Rask Invest is our new investment service, designed for all types of investors who want professional management of their core portfolio at a low cost from a team they trust. Rask Invest helps you automate your wealth creation and passive income. Simply click the link that says invest with Owen in your podcast player to join one of our live platform walkthroughs or book a call with us. You can also view the Rask Invest PDS and TMD and get invested with me.